Today on Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares. The reciprocal nature of love in the body of Christ means that good deeds are responded with good deeds. And heaven forbid in this church or any circle that you run in, particularly Christian circles, good deeds go unnoticed. That's wrong. That's sin. That's sin when a guy serves donuts or, or, or volunteers in the nursery or runs the soundboard and does it without any thanks from the body of Christ. That's wrong. Do you realize that? We have a debt to pay there. What if I challenged you to think of something good that happened yesterday? How about something negative? Which one is easier? You know, we tend to remember the negative rather than the positive. But why is that? Well, today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares is encouraging us to make an effort to notice the good things that are happening all around us every day. It's part of our survey of 2 Samuel, and we're joining Pastor Mike just as David has been anointed king over Judah. Well, let's get started. look back in 2 Samuel 2. I want you to notice what he does. The first thing David does in this notice that comes from the messengers that are reporting to the men of Jabesh Gilead is he starts to, in this message, pray for them. That's really what's happening in the grammar here. Look at this phrase. It says in verse 6, may the Lord now show you, circle this word. What's the next word? Kindness. Guess which word that is? Same word, hesed. This is an interesting scenario, an interesting equation being created here. You've shown kindness towards Saul, and I'm going to pray right now that God would show you kindness and faithfulness. Now, even the word, if we just studied the word hesed, we would see there's this reciprocal nature. There's this nature in which one good deed gives rise to the next, and one act of love is responded to by another act of love. But this makes it undeniable, doesn't it? that in the community of believers, one good deed over here gives rise to people that think that ought to be responded to with good deeds. And David says, the men of Javish Gilead, you did a good deed for Saul. You showed the love of God. You know, I'm going to pray that God would show you his love. There's going to be a reciprocal nature in good deeds. Good deeds give rise to more good deeds. Good deeds are complemented by other good deeds. Specifically in this text, they're directed to, request is directed to God. And the request is, I've seen someone do something good. God, would you do good to them? And I love the fact that he just doesn't use the word hesed. He uses another word too, and he throws in more. He says, not only good, I want you to be faithful to them too. It's almost like this exchange, this return on the good deed. David is saying, I hope you're better to them than they were to Saul. Two for one. They showed hesed towards Saul. I want God to show hesed and faithfulness toward them. Number two on your outline, if you're taking notes, this would be the next thing I think we need to do if we want to reflect the character of David in being responsive to the good deeds around us. Well, first, we've got to notice them. The second thing we need to do if we're going to follow this example is we need to get God involved. We need to turn to God and say, Hey, God, can you do something about this? Can you respond? Can you be good to them? One of my first jobs was working at a park where I would sweep up this park and uh, clean these uh, picnic tables at this park. 
And sometimes when I was cleaning, they would have this group out at the park that was training dogs to be attack dogs. They would have a guy dressed in a padded suit, or they'd have some mannequin on a pole out there, and they would have these dog owners and dogs lined up there. And some guy, some big guy, would be out there with a whistle, and he'd be shouting commands in German to these dogs. And I don't know why German. I guess some were German shepherds, I guess that's why. But they would shout to these, these dogs in German, and these Doberman pinchers and these German shepherds, and then one by one they would go out and they would attack this, uh, this mannequin, or they'd attack the guy who was in the padded suit. Well, I was just kind of enamored watching all this happen. And I'd go home after work and come home to my beagle. And uh, I'd shout to him these words that I heard them use at the park, you know, thinking it's just something innate about canines. If they just hear this word, they'd go and I'd yell at my dog and my dog would just smile, you know, smile at me. He'd wag his little nubby tail and just, you know, it was no effect. Because my dog was a beagle and he really didn't have it in him. No matter how much I commanded him to do that, he wasn't going to do it because he just had no inclination to be a fighter. You know, if I can bring this down to that level without minimizing the profundity of this passage. Can I tell you what David is doing is he's turning to God and he's saying, in essence, sick him. <laughs> he's saying, go get them. They've done good and I want you to go after them with good. And the great thing is, when we tell God to do good to someone, it is intrinsic in his nature. It is what he longs to do. It is what God is all about. Do you remember that passage in Hebrews chapter 11 that says, if we're ever going to please God, we've got to have faith, right? We've got to believe this. We can't please God without faith. Do you remember that phrase that says there's two things that we have to be confident of? We have to be confident that he is, duh, right? We have to believe he exists. And the second thing there is really telling. It says we also have to believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. I'm thinking if I'm going to write a passage about the, the basic nature of God, I don't know if that'd be the first thing that would pop into my mind, but embedded right there in that really potent scriptural verse reminds us that not only does God exist, his fundamental nature is to respond in a rewarding manner to people. And as though I had to tell God in some weird, mysterious, providential way, God often waits for me to ask. I don't know why, but the Bible's clear. When I ask, God responds. And when I see someone do something good, if I say to God, hey, God, could you get involved here and do good to them? It's like God saying, I I've been waiting for you to ask. I just, I would love to respond to that. And we just say, God, go get him. Go after him. And isn't that how God reveals himself in Scripture? Do you remember the very end of the Bible, Jesus is coming back, and Jesus' words in Revelation 22, he says, I'm coming quickly, and my, Sunday school graduates, do you know what the next word is? My reward, he says, is with me. Jesus is saying, I can't wait to reward my people for the good things they do. Isaiah chapter 40, same concept in the Old Testament. The Bible says, God, he's coming to his people, so to speak, and it says he's coming with reward and recompense. There's a good word. That's not in the negative, that's in the positive. I, I, I can't wait to pay my people back for the good they've done. When they do good things, I want to reward them. And so here's the challenge for us. We see someone do something good. They're serving the body of Christ. They said the right thing at the right time. They served in the right way. They sacrificed in some noble way. What I'm saying is our first response ought to be, I noticed that. <laughs> that's a God thing. That's God doing good works through that person. And then the next thing I want to do is say, God, could you get involved in this could you be good to them because they've been good to someone else? Oh, it's easy when people do good to us. 
But when you're not the specific beneficiary of the good deed, could you make it your practice to notice, just like David did? And then could you say, God, get him. Just go get him. I know you're intrinsically a rewarder. Could you reward these people? Now that could get real practical. You could see people this morning serving donuts, running a video camera, running the soundboard, people that clean up around here, that watch the kids in the nursery, people that mop the floors, people doing things in the body of Christ that we often take for granted. The godly thing would be to notice. That's a good work. And the second thing we could do that would be godly is to do what David did, and that is just start praying for people. God, be good to them for what they've done. And get creative and specific. Spend five minutes a day just praying for people who've done good things that you've noticed and say, God, go after them. Bless their lives in some specific way. In the response to the study of this passage in my own life, I started pulling individuals into my mind and just started to pray specifically for them. When I spent this week time just specifically sitting down to pray that God would bless someone, that's, that is such a good feeling. <laughs> there are few prayers that feel better than that. There are few prayers that feel more right than that. And I say, God, here's this person. I've seen them serve you by doing this. And they weren't serving. They were just serving the body of Christ. They were doing some good thing. God, would you just go after them? And, and there are things I could never do. Could you give them peace in their marriage and, and harmony? Could you, could you make them prosper at work? And I just start going through this line of things. And by the time you're done praying those kinds of prayers, you feel like you've really touched on the will of God. Because we are starting to engage ourselves in the fundamental nature of God because he can't wait to be good to people that have been good to his bride, that have been good and doing good deeds as a reflection of his grace in their life. So first of all, you've got to notice. Second of all, you should get God involved. Like David said, show them kindness, show them faithfulness, reciprocate this, this good deed that they've done in some supernatural way, some profound way, some subtle way, some obvious way. And then in verse 6, the second half, we get to an area that probably makes some of you feel uncomfortable. Because I think about folks that I know that are quite spiritual, or at least they appear to be, and I think about suggesting to them that they notice good deeds, and I can see them nodding their way through that. And then I suggest that they pray that God would be good to them, and I can see them affirming that with some, you know, some hearty resolution. Yes, we ought to do that. But when I read what happens in the middle of verse 6, I start to think there's going to be some objections here. Because maybe you have been exposed to the thinking that I've been exposed to, that it really isn't our place to be passing out accolades or praising people for their works or showing them some kind of, of good favor or reward for what they've done. Because that, that could breed pride. That could, that could make people do good deeds for the wrong reasons. That might make their head big. That might, that might who knows what that'll do. That'll be the praises of men. It's just not spiritual to do that. And I've watched parents do this to their children. I've watched employers do this with their employees. I've watched people in ministry do this to their cohorts in ministry. And it's as though they withhold praise, they withhold recompense, they re withhold reward because they feel in some way it's an unspiritual thing to do. But notice, if you would, what the man after God's own heart does when he hears about the men of Jabesh Gilead doing a good deed. He not only gets God involved, look at it, middle of verse 6, he says, I, too... He's speaking of himself. I too, David says, will show you the same favor because you've done this. What's he saying? 
The same favor I'm asking God to show on you. His kindness and his faithfulness. I just want to tell you, Jabesh Gilead people, that I'm going to show you that same kind of favor. I'm going to get involved in being good to you because you've been good to someone else. Now, the super spirituals among us think, ah, it's got, it's got a downside to it. I mean, you know, if they serve God, they ought to serve him for pure motives. And, and whether they, they get any rewards or not, and we don't want to cloud this with rewards or trying to pay them back. I mean, that's not a good thing. Keep your finger here. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me show you Paul's response to that thinking. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Take a look at what Paul says to some folks that have this attitude that I've seen so often in the body of Christ, particularly in our day, where people think you shouldn't really reward, you shouldn't really compliment, because that could muddy the water in some way. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 7. He says, think about it, guys. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Now think about <laughs> you know, being in the Marine Corps, and uh, they say, this is great, we're glad you're here, and by the way, you know, we're not going to pay you for anything, and, and uh, you know, hope you have some money to buy some uniforms and some guns and stuff, because you know, we just think it's a good thing that you're doing, but we're not going to pay you for this. Army would shrink real fast, right? I mean, there would be nobody serving because it wouldn't make any sense. It's foolish, of course, if you go to defend your country, your country should pay for it. Paul says that makes sense. He says, who plants a vineyard and doesn't eat its grapes? I mean, if you're going to work in the vineyard, you might as well be able to get some grapes out of it. Who's going to tend a flock and not drink the milk? Do I say this merely, Paul says, from a human's point of view? Doesn't the law, doesn't the Bible say the same thing? For isn't it written in the law of Moses, don't muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain, right? You picture this big ox out there pushing this huge log that turns this stone, that, that crushes the grains. I mean, you don't put a muzzle on that ox. You let him eat and bow his head down, pick up some hay if he wants and eat some of the grain. That's fine. That's the way it ought to work. Now, I love this line. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? I mean, was that really in the Bible so that we wouldn't hurt the big ox's feelings or that, you know, that we'd be careful how to, you know, plow the fields or to how, to how to thresh the grain out properly? Paul says, surely he said this for us. It's written for oxen, right? He says, this was written for us, he says, because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. Then he goes on to apply this to people, particularly in full-time ministry, but it just doesn't apply there. It applies to everyone who gives themselves to do a good deed. And the response is when we give ourselves to do something good, there ought to be some response from the people of God. And when good deeds are done, it ought to call forth a good response. So much so that in 1 Timothy 5.17, it says when people really do good works, when people really do well at serving, they ought to get double honor. They ought to get double recompense. They ought to get double reward because it's so important. It's so important because it reflects the nature of God. It's so important because it confirms people in doing good works. Oh, but won't people start doing it for the wrong reasons? That's not your concern to worry about. Your concern to worry about is that we are mandated by God to respond to good deeds with good deeds, that we are supposed to recognize, notice, and respond with our own lives in repayment to those who do what's right. If you take a note, that's the third thing we've tried to pull out of this passage. David not only says, hey, God, I need you to get involved. Number three on your outline, he starts making repayments. So I put it this way, we need to start repayments today. 
I like the fact that David doesn't wait. He doesn't plan out something that's going to be way down the road. He just starts today. He sends messengers, and he starts to encourage these guys, and he says, I'm going to do good to you. I'm going to be good for you. I'm going to respond to your good deed. The Bible's real clear. Before you lose the New Testament there, before you get back to the Old Testament, turn to one more passage, Romans chapter 13. Romans 13, drop your eyes down to verse 7. It says, Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, then pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. And by the way, don't let this tax April 15th application be the only thing you see here. Sometimes that blinds people from where this is going. This moves quickly off of paying taxes and revenue to two other things that are very important. In essence, and supply the verbs again, and and we'll make full sense of this, if you owe respect, then pay respect. If you owe honor, then pay honor. See, isn't this the way the Bible talks about things? People do things that are praiseworthy. That's what Philippians says. And if it's praiseworthy, then now all of a sudden we owe praise. If it's a good deed, it's a respectful deed, then we owe respect. If they've done something honorable, then we owe them honor. That, he says, is not an extracurricular Christian activity. That is, four-letter word, look at it in the next sentence, it is a debt. He says, let, verse number eight, no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. But think about the concept here. When someone does a good deed in my presence or in my hearing or I find out about it, the Bible says, I am now under debt. I have a debt to pay. The debt is that when I see good deeds in the body of Christ, I need to respond to that. And it may be simple. It may simply be, you know, giving them honor or giving them respect, but it may be giving them something tangible. It may be giving them of myself. It may be doing something kind. It may mean giving them a note of encouragement. Whatever it is, it's a response to the good deed. I can't be passive and say, oh, it's all up to God to repay those people. No, David signs up, he raises his hand, he says, God, uh, can I volunteer to be a tool in your hand to repay these Jabesh Gilead men for what they've done? That's the burden on us. Good deed, notice it. Good deed, get God involved. Good deed, start making repayments yourself. Do I have to be the direct beneficiary of the good deed? Absolutely not. Was David? Back to 2 Samuel 2, just to wrap this up. Let's look at what David does. In verse number 7, he gives... Some specific, current, present tense encouragement to these people. I'm going to show you the same favor because you've done this. Now then, verse 7, he says. Right now. I've got some things for you. Right now. He says, be strong. Literally, the phrase is, strengthen your hand. It's a Hebrew idiom that means be encouraged. He says, I want you to be encouraged and and be brave. Literally, be be valiant men. Be men of, of bravery. Why? How should my heart, why should my heart be so encouraged right now? I mean, Saul's just died. Well, he affirms that. Well, I know Saul, your master, is dead. But basically, I want you to recognize the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. What's the point? I'm being empowered. I'm becoming part of the political system here. God is entrusting leadership in this nation to me. Why should that be an encouragement? Because of what he said in the bottom of verse 6. What? I'm going to show you the same favor that I'm asking God to show you. What is that? Hesed and faithfulness, kindness and love and loyalty. I'm going to do that for you. And so David is saying, as far as my power extends, I'm going to do all I can to be good to you. And I'm going to be good to you because you are good to Saul. 
The reciprocal nature of love in the body of Christ means that good deeds are responded with good deeds. And heaven forbid in this church or any circle that you run in, particularly Christian circles, good deeds go unnoticed. That's wrong. That's sin. That's sin when a guy serves donuts or, or, or volunteers in the nursery or runs the soundboard and does it without any thanks from the body of Christ. That's wrong. Do you realize that? We have a debt to pay there. And we need to start in our homes, don't we? We need to stop withholding praise from our spouse and from our children. We need to start to recognize that it's not a, a worldly thing to dish out compliments instead of criticism. That we in the body of Christ, when we notice good deeds, are doing a godly thing. When we pray to God to bless people because of their good deeds, that's a most godly thing. And then when we become a part of the process and God uses us as a tool in his hands to bless somebody, we're doing the most godly thing of all. All these illustrations about dogs made me think of uh, being a pet owner. I'm not currently a pet owner, I'm happy to say, but uh, <clears throat> I have been several times in my life. And it's funny how we pet owners respond to our pets, isn't it? I mean, our pet, uh, you know, sits at the right time, and we're just thrilled, right? We hug them and pet them and we hold them. I mean, they don't jump on the couch, and we're, we're talking to them like they're the, the prince of the world that just, you know, found a cure for cancer. You're, you're wonderful, wonderful, Fido. You're just, whoa, that's so great. They wag their tail at the right time. We're just thrilled. And then we turn to people around us that God is so interested in, that God loves so much, and they do good deeds. And oftentimes, we don't even recognize it. We expect it. We don't praise it. We don't respond to it. We don't reward it. There's no recompense. There's no kudos. There's no edification. My challenge to you this week is that you and I would show more responsiveness and sensitivity to the people in our life than the pets in our life. And say, I'm going to look, and I'm going to be sensitive, and I'm going to be tuned in. When I see someone do something good, I'm going to notice, I'm going to get God involved, and I'm going to be part of the solution. If I can pay them back in any way, insofar as it depends on me, if there's anything in my power that I can do, I'm going to do it to give back to those that have done good things. That would make us godly. That would make us people after God's own heart. Let's do something about the good stuff. An important reminder to take notice and respond today from Pastor Mike Fabares. You're listening to Focal Point. Now, if you want to download the PDF study notes or listen to the full-length message without interruption, you'll find these resources online at focalpointradio.org. Focal Point is here to provide you with biblical encouragement for situations you face every day. And did you know that as you listen right now, you're joined by thousands of others who are tuning in on the radio, the Focal Point mobile app, on our website, or through various podcasting options. All of these are completely free, and that's because listeners like you give to cover the cost of production and airtime. We're counting on folks who share our passion for straightforward Bible teaching to help support this ministry with a financial gift. Now, if you believe in this work, then please give today by calling 888 320-5885 or donate online at focalpointradio.org. 
We're so grateful for your support. To express our gratitude for your gift this month, we'll send you a book about what it means to deeply love God's Word. It's called How to Eat Your Bible by Pastor Nate Pickowitz. We know we're supposed to consume Scripture, but regular Bible study can be challenging. The practical guidance in How to Eat Your Bible will help you cultivate an appetite for lifelong study of God's Word. Request your copy by calling 888-320-5885 or give and request the book online at focalpointradio.org. If you prefer sending a check, write to Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. Another way to support us is to tell us how you listen to the program. We'll thank you with a free Bible Timeline pamphlet. Simply call 888-320-5885. And we'd like to invite you to join our online community of believers. Find us at focalpointradio.org connect or follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Pastor Mike. Well, I'm Dave Drewy, inviting you to join us again on Tuesday as we learn about God's plan for us, right here on Focal Point. Hey there, Pastor Mike here. We're almost out of time, but before we go, I want to personally invite you to contact us here. Let us know how we can be praying for you. Head on over to focalpointradio.org and click the contact page, or send me a note on Facebook, facebook.com slash Pastor Mike, or twitter.com slash Pastor Mike. Can't wait to hear from you. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.